بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد ومن ولا Before we get started, we should all like come closer uh, just so we can make room for people. Like, don't worry, I don't mind if you're close to me. I don't like, I'm vaccinated as far as I remember. And uh, that way, like people aren't sitting out in the hallway. And and in the Quran, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Yafsahillahu lakum, like if you make room, Allah will make room for you. This actually verse was sent because People were sitting like that, like far away. So if we can fill the spaces, that way if people come in later, alhamdulillah, it's good to see like a lot of young people here, especially on a Friday night. It's like very commendable uh, in this place. There's a lot of things to do in New York City uh, on a Friday night. So mashallah. So alhamdulillah, that way everybody feels welcome and you know, not sitting um, outside. It's great to see everyone again. Inshallah, I hope uh, everyone is well. Everyone, I know midterms at my university, people are like freaking out right now. It's that time of year, time of uh, semester. And of course, a lot going on in the world, close to where many of you, your families are from, in the same sort of area, neighborhood, more or less. Um, we know the Serbians historically have sided with Russia. So there's a lot of geopolitical things, a lot of stress. Uh, you know, that we're all maybe under. So, inshallah, as we get started, Bismillah wa salatu wa salam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa man I want you just to take like a second to center yourself around uh, the greatest slosh you've ever faced in your life. It's like pull back for a second. Do you guys want us to arrange it so you can hear better? You're fine? How about everybody back there? Everything's good? I'll try to also uh, speak louder, inshallah. So um, what I want us to do just for a second, and thanks, thanks for looking out for people, man, is to center ourselves around the greatest loss we ever had in our life. And just kind of like absorb that for a minute. It's not easy. It's my mother. Like I saw my mother, smile uh, is hard to talk about. I saw my mother die in front of me. It's like the greatest loss in my life is to lose my mother, right? So I still get moved just, you know, thinking like it's my mom, you know? So you, you want to spend maybe just the next 30 or 40 seconds just kind of thinking about that providential uppercut that smashed you and hit you right in the stomach. It took something out of you. Now imagine the Prophet in one year he lost two or three things that were like that. He lost his wife. We call Khadija in our tradition Khadija al-Kubra alayha salam. Because of her, her great status we say al-Kubra. Like there was no one more beloved to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam than Sayyidah Khadija. Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, she helped me when no one helped me. She affirmed me when everyone denied me. In a, another narration, he said that my rizq, I don't know if it's in your language, the word rizq, like my provisions, 
came from her. Ruziqtu bi Khadija. That's why some of our scholars in Surah Al-Duha, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَوَجَدَكَ عَائِلًا فَأَغْنَى فَأَغْنَاهُ بِخَدِيجَةً Like, we, we found you, you were impoverished, and we enriched you. Said, we enriched you with Khadija. Radiallahu ta'ala anha. The Prophet had such an immense intimacy with her that transcended the shallow notions of love that we find, you know, in society today. I don't think they should even call it love. I think they should just call it like attachment. The word for love in Arabic is from the same word as the seed, hab and hub. Because you don't put your love in every soil. You don't give everybody that energy. Not everyone deserves that. You put that where it's, where it's, where it's fertile. But then also, those of us who are married, you have to look after that love. We have children. We have to look after that love. Our, our parents, we have to look after that love. And something that we don't talk about, we have to look after ourselves. We have to love ourselves to a certain degree. Or we won't blossom. We won't grow. So the Arabs were smart. So they called it hub from heb. So the Prophet his, his growth, his blossoming is directly correlated to this relationship. That's why Imam Muslim, in his collection of authentic narrations, he mentions that Sayyidah Khadija, her sister Hala bint Khuwailid, she, she also became Muslim, alhamdulillah. And she lived actually for a long time. That when the Prophet وسلم, was in Medina, she would visit his home. The Prophet وسلم, had like good relations. Like whenever he would come into Medina from a trip, the first person he would visit was Fatima, always. Always he would go and visit Sayyidah Fatima. And they would say, bijambi." He would ask Fatima to sit next to him. That's his daughter. That's how we, that's how, you know, we love our boys, we raise our daughters. That's a problem in the community. We love our boys, we raise our daughters. But we have to do both. We have to love both and raise both. He, he had a great affection for Sayyidah Fatima. But also, Sayyidah uh, uh, Hala, she would come, one of the few people who could come unannounced to the home of the Prophet and her demeanor was like her sister's. Her voice sounded like Khadija's voice. Her, her mannerisms, the way she walked, was similar to her, her sister. Like they say, Sayyidah Fatima was the one who resembled Sayyidah Muhammad the most in her mannerisms and her, the way she carried herself. Sayyidah Hala, radiallahu anha, she was similar to her sister. Sayyidah Aisha, she narrates that one day, we were sitting in our home and, and Hala came into this apartment and she said, Ya Muhammad. And her voice was like the voice of who? Sayyidah Khadija. And the Prophet, he began, he was moved emotionally. He said, Hala, Hala. Like, because she invoked in him that meaning. Right? Love is a meaning. Right? When we love something, there's, 
There's a meaning to that. So she, she pulled from him that remembrance of Sayyidah Khadija. And he said to Sayyidah Aisha, like, she supported me when nobody supported me. She had my back, we say now, right? She had my back when everyone turned against me. So imagine losing that. Imagine losing the person who, when Jibreel came to him, he said, like, I got scared, man. And he ran to his wife because the sakina, the sakin is the house. The, the sakin, the maskan is the place of tranquility. That should, that's how a house should be. should be tranquil. So he goes to that tranquility. Mawadda is when you're young because you have a lot of physical, hormonal energy. Sexual appetite is stronger when someone's younger. But as a person gets older, that is replaced by emotional attachment. You see, if you go to the park, you see these old New Yorkers, like 80 years old. It's like, man, that's how I want to be, man. They're like walking together, enjoying life. That's rahmah. Because as we get older, we lose mawadda. Look how the Quran encapsulates both, subhanAllah, very beautifully. So he goes to her. Wallahi la Allahu abara. And she says to him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never do this to you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would never try to deceive you. And then she recounts the good qualities of the Messenger of Allah. Sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi So why everyone in Mecca, when they looked at Muhammad alayhi salam, they saw Muhammad Abdullah. But his wife Sayyidah Khadija, she's the first person to ever look at his face and say, that's Muhammad Rasulullah. Imagine you lost that. That loss. If we lost anyone during COVID, man, we know like loss is no joke. It takes something from us. It takes time. My wife asked me, Miriam, like, you know, when are you going to talk about your mother? I was like, I can't talk about that. Like, it's just hard, right? It takes something from us. That's just how we are, we have to admit. And that's why, I that's why I have a problem with the myopic kind of the definitions of what it means to be a man and a woman in American society is all rooted around power and bravado and being hard and running things. So we can't even be honest with ourselves. The word personality is a Greek word, which means a mask. There you go. Everyone's wearing concealer. So nobody can be vulnerable. So that's why you find a society on edge, man. Everybody's upset, everybody's mad, so much cynicism. The Prophet teaches us that as the greatest human being, he achieves this greatness through love and vulnerability. And that's lost. The second loss is his uncle. We all know Abu Talib. The Prophet he lost his father, some ulama said when he was like two months old, some said two years old, some said when he was a little older. But we know that his father Abdullah passed away. And then he went to stay with his grandfather, who had a lot of love for him. And his grandfather, Prophet is around six, he dies. And he tells Abu Talib, like, look after him. And he takes on that responsibility. And he cares for him. I'm sure in the war in Bosnia, there were people who lost their parents. 
There are people who lost their families, but somebody took care of them. That's a testimony to the resiliency of your people. The Albanians, during those wars, people lost family. Montenegro, those areas. There's a lot of loss that's been there in the last 30 years, since World War I. So the Prophet وسلم, is raised then by his uncle. And his uncle is his supporter. That's allyship. Like that's what it means to be an ally if you're not Muslim. Is the Prophet's uncle. How he cares for him. He sacrifices for him. And even when the Prophet وسلم, is commanded to go to his people and imagine the Prophet is commanded to go to the Meccans. It's not like us in interfaith gatherings where we're all happy and smiling. Allah says, go and warn them. These people need to be warned. These people are buck crazy. You need to go and warn them. Don't go like, oh, hi, guys. Like, great, you have your idols. We have Allah. It's so nice. We can all work together. Let's coalition build. No, Allah says, anzirhum. Warn them. And the Prophet said, what does he do? Yeah. Bani Hashim, anqidu anfusakum min an-nar. He goes and he says, Bani Hashim, save yourself from hell. That's the first thing he says to them. Ya Bani Abd al-Muttalib, anqidu anfusakum min an-nar. Oh, the, fan, the, the tribe of uh, Muttalabi, save yourself from hell. And then we know his uncle attacks him because it always has to come from your family. That's just how it works. Family, the tests within family are meant to make us stronger. When someone's up in you and they're bothering you, it's different than if someone outside. You can just block them. Can't block uncles. Can't block brothers. Can't block family members. That's why all the prophets are tested by family. Who immediately begins to support him from that moment? Not because he believes in his faith, but he believes in the prophet's integrity. He believes in his honesty. As a person, he loses that. So he loses what is defending him emotionally and psychologically. That's how we should look at it. What has financially supported him? His wife was his VC, a VC for Jannah. Right? She financially supports the Prophet And that is his emotional and psychological support that Allah has given him. And then he loses the strategic allyship. He's his uncle, man. The third thing that he lost his companions. Because during this time, not everybody's staying down. It's not like, it's not like popular. Like if there was a hashtag in Mecca, it wouldn't have been like, I follow Muhammad. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Like, he wouldn't have been seen as an influencer. Nobody would want him to market their products to people. Alayhi salatu wasalam. To the extent that he has to leave his city. And he goes to Ta'if. So it's just like, it is very important to understand the first parts of the life of the Prophet as a Prophet. And actually his life are about how to manage trauma. He loses his mom, his dad, his uncle, his grandfather, his wife, his city his friends, his tribe. It's about trauma. Like, how do you deal with loss? Because, as Brother said earlier, there has to be a healthy detachment from the world. The Sufis, they call this maqama tajreed. 
Tajrid in Arabic means to peel like an orange. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, things that we think we can trust, slowly start to fall apart in front of us. So we're being peeled away from unhealthy attachments. And then when you peel away the orange, it's the best part. So when we're peeled away from this world, like a foot peel or a face peel, right? All the filth, all the uh, clogged pores are opened. So when we're peeled away from things we thought really had value, things that maybe were unhealthy in our relationship with trusting in Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah biqadrihi yujarridna an hadihi al-umur. Like by his wisdom and his decree, we're peeled away. And that's not always fun, man, because sometimes it hurts. It hurts. But they say that this is the greatest maqam. When you recognize that I'm being peeled away from unhealthy attachments, then you embrace pain and trauma as an opportunity to ripen. There you go. That's Islam. So the Prophet goes to Ta'if. And I remember when I was young, I saw my friend get shot in front of me. I thought he was someone that like, you know, like Russell Crowe and Gladiator or something. Like I thought he could never be defeated. He got shot and killed. Shot in the back of the head. This was before I was Muslim. I remember that every time. And I remember at his funeral, J-Dog, saying to myself like, dude, he died? Like, he died? Like, how could he die? That, that is tajreed. Brother talked about things happen. It also happens with success. When we accomplish things that we could never have believed we would be able to do. We like, we know this from Allah. So subhanAllah, Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam goes to Ta'if. And what happens in Ta'if is the greatest example ever of forbearance and forgiveness ever seen on the face of the earth. And we know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he dispatches that angel, Sayyidina Jibreel, to the Prophet And he says to him, if you want, we can destroy the city. He said, don't do that. Maybe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take from that a people who worship him. Look at the foresight of the Prophet The long game, the process, trust the process. The Prophet has the idea, the idea of thinking down the road. So he's rejected. He goes back to Mecca and he's not allowed in Mecca. People don't talk about it. Initially, they were not allowing him back into the city. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The number of Muslims at this time are 67 people. Again, like it's not a big group. Maybe more people here today than there were there. And then he's able to sneak back into Mecca and it's here, in the face of all this loss, that he experiences al-Isra wal-Mi'raj. Why? Because Isra and Mi'raj, there's a very important message for all of us. Because being a committed Muslim is not easy. It's not always easy. Of course, we may find sweetness in that commitment over time. But if you're in high school, you know, like, sometimes to be down for Allah is not really going to be, you know, the way to go, man. If you're in your university, 
or if you're out in the workplace, and even within Muslim communities, to be not crazy, not someone who's a religious lunatic, but just to be committed. The Prophet said there will come a time where that is like holding on to hot iron. It's not easy. So what does Isra and Mi'raj tell us about something very important that we should all work to have in our lives? My wife taught me this. And that is, it's very important to live based on principles. If you don't have principles, then you're going to be deficient as a person. And you want to think about two things about yourself. Right now, what are your negotiables? What are your non-negotiables? What is it that I hold as sacred? What is it that like, I don't budge on? Number two, what is it that I'm, I, can, I can maneuver? The Prophet wasallam is taught, and here's the lesson, the first lesson, that if everyone in the earth has turned their back on you, if people who you thought were your friends have become shady, If you lost those important support mechanisms that you had around you, say to Khadija, we in the heavens have accepted you, so it doesn't matter. That's the lesson of Isra and Mi'raj. When you find yourself you have nowhere else to go, Allah says in the Quran, فَفِرُّوا إِلَى اللَّهِ Flee to Allah. And to remind Sayyidina Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that you got greater things to do. So that's the first lesson that sometimes we see in front of us. There are challenges to trying to be committed, to being adherent Muslim. And that challenge comes sometimes with a cost. Well, we're accepted by those in the heavens, alhamdulillah. The second lesson is that we learn about Allah's love. One of the names of Allah is Al-Wudud. Al-Wudud is more than love. Mawadda and Rahma is from the same word, Mawadda. Al-Wudud is the one who's like, really cares about you. The loving, constantly loving. Wudud is a form of, it's like hyperbole in Arabic. Fa'ul. Not just love, super love. And we learn this from the name, Isra and Mi'raj. You know, I don't want to make things too complicated for you, but this is important. Nobody has a problem listening to Kendrick 25 times to try to figure out what he's saying. Like, I can't blame him. Or whatever they listen to. Right? They have a problem. Oh, man, you hear those bars? Go back, go back, go back, go back. Oh, man, you hear that? Oh, go back, go back, go back. Nobody has a problem with that. But if it's like, you know, there's this like really cool Arabic word. Man, religion is so hard. I hate the Muslims. But nobody has a problem like rewinding, make up tutorials for 455,000 times. Or watching, you know, messy, not make a mess 340 times. Nobody has a problem with that. Or like watching a video on how to get codes for whatever's out there. And that tells us what we struggle with, where our values are. The Arabs, they have a really cool statement. They say if the man is handsome, 
she doesn't care how cheap the mahar is. I mean, hence it means like if, if she has an affinity for him, emotionally, psychologically, not just physically, of course. And also they say the inverse. If he's attracted to the woman completely, he doesn't care how much the mahar is. Because when we love something, we work for it. Look at the gym. All these people, man, running, throwing kettlebells around, lifting weights. Who wants to wake up tomorrow morning and do deadlifts after salah? Nobody, but we do it because we know there's a value to it. So what, what I'm willing to find pleasure in is indicative of what I love. What I struggle for and I don't have problems with it, that's where my heart's at. So like, oh man, this Arabic is hard, oh gosh, Muslims are so difficult. Da, da. 